This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Today, the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast welcomes Vanda to the show. Glad you could join us. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Vanda is the author of the Juliana series about a young woman starting in 1940s New York City. Following the progress of her show business career and her struggle to balance success and a forbidden romance. The third book, Paris Adrift, just came out in May. Perhaps you could tell us a bit about the characters and where you're taking them in the series. Okay, the, the characters in this series are getting closer. They Originally, the plan was in book two that uh, Juliana is married. And the plan was for her and her husband to go to Paris and to revitalize Juliana's career. Her career had a dip. Al, or Alice, was, was staying back as her, as her manager um, because she has other things to do in the States. But at the last minute, Richard, whose mother always is getting sick and that guy's a, has a heart attack, and he can't go. So Al has to go, and of course, Richard apologizes because he's only bought one stateroom, and he's only <laughs> purchased one hotel room, and it's going to be so inconvenient for them. And of course, it works out terrifically. At first, Juliana has a lot of trouble about, well, they both have some problems about being gay. It's, it's, Al is doing better with it, even though she was shocked when she first found out in the first book. But um, Juliana is struggling a lot, and she doesn't talk about the struggle, but she kind of acts out things. So when, the, when they're on the ship, they go on the United States to, that was the typical form of tra- transportation in 1955. So they're, they're there, and Juliana is nervous about being alone in a, in a, on, with, with Al on, in the, in the, in the uh, stateroom. And she's acting out in certain ways. So they're, they're not very close at that point. Al is expecting them to sleep together every night and all of this. I mean, that's not what happens. So, it, but they, they have a relationship already, right? They, they had a relationship, but it's been rocky since the beginning. Ah, okay. Because, because Juliana is married and, and the husband doesn't know. It's not lavender marriage. It's, yeah. it's, you know, he doesn't know. We don't know exactly what goes on between Richard and Juliana, that she's very quiet about that. And so in this thing, she's kind of shocked to be, be staying in the same room with Al. And kind of like one point she gets upset and she says, we're not Cheryl and Mercy, who are two women they know who do live together. Uh-huh. And she doesn't know how. And then she finally says, you know, Al thinks she doesn't want to be with her, but she doesn't mean it that way. She's just, when she explains later, she says, I know how to be with a man on a trip like this. I don't know how to be with you. On the trip. I don't know what to do. And that's kind of, you know, there's no lessons for that. Uh-huh. She's not sure how to behave or how to be herself in this situation. But by the time they get to Paris, it's working out. And they get very close. They they do end up uh, spending a lot of time in bed and, <laughs> um, and, and working out a lot of the issues they've had in the past. And, uh, and one of the friends in the book um, that they've had who is... Um, who kind of poses as a man sometimes, uh, has an act, he does this dra- kind of a, what we call today drag king, uh-huh. has, has 
also used to date Juliana and shows up every once in a while in the book, it upsets Al, and um, tells, he reveals to, uh, she actually reveals to Juliana that, that he's, she's decided to have an operation and make a change. Now this is early, but the first transgender change was with a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very secret, but it was done by, with um, a man. And um, so he, so she's gotten in touch with um, the first uh, surgeon, which was in England. And so, so that little part there is for the transgender community is not comfortable because they do make fun. They make fun. They get very comfortable because this is not something that lesbians handle well. Uh-huh. This long history of, of tension with transgender community, and then the whole world didn't handle it well. Yeah. When this they come out, so they, they, there was a lot of jokes and meanness and that kind of stuff. So there's a kind of that I wanted to with with this history. I want to portray the, it accurately. It's not now. It's then. It's 1955. People are learning. Uh-huh. So I want to show that progression of change and how attitudes change, how things change, and so that that's in there. That, um, but Al also wonders because she's often had masculine thoughts. She wonders about herself quietly, never speaking to um, to Juliana. And so they, uh, you know. Uh, that's basically where the characters go, are going. They're um, trying to think. Uh, you know, I'm into the I'm into book four now, which I'll be hopefully bringing out not too long. Juliana is the reason that they're in Paris is because Juliana had a major flop in New York. She was her husband. This is complicated. You don't read about it. Her husband is actually the one who in name is the man, her manager, not Al, but Al does all the decision making. But this one time, her husband signs Juliana to play it and be in a play. But it's not a musical, it's a regular straight play. She's never done it before and she really bombs miserably. And um, so she decides she's never gonna do Broadway ever again, okay? It's, it was a horrible experience and she's, she's a fabulous singer and she'll never do it again. Well, somebody approaches Al on the ship with a Broadway show and wants her to do it. But Al can't convince Juliana to do it. She says, no, I'm never going on Broadway stage ever again. That was a horrible experience. And it turns out then that um, uh, the guy who approached her um, is actually threatened to out them. Uh-huh. She doesn't do it. So there's a whole thing that happens around that, around uh-huh. that kind of thing. So it feels like the series yeah. is intended to bring the reader along through a tour of queer life of the later 20th century. Are you yeah. planning to follow the characters for quite a ways? Yeah, I want to go into the 2000s. Ah, okay. So they'll be like late 80s and 90s when it'll finish. I want them to see the changes and uh-huh. see what they think about it, you know. And of course there'll be new characters entering because some characters that were in book one have left, they may come back. And other new characters will... Um, will enter, um, people will have children along the way, and those children, you know, so it'll be... So a real a family saga sort of thing. Yeah, there is, yeah, there is a kind of thing. This is, this is, um, the, the, because besides Juliana and Al, there, there are, um, there's Max, who's been in the beginning, since the beginning, he's not on the ship with them, but he runs the, uh, the nightclub where Al works, and he's been with, uh, a mentor to Al for the, since the beginning, so I have gay men in, in the, it was in the beginning of the, uh, around the 40s and 50s, the other community was pretty tight with each other. You know, the, the men and the women were together. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, in the first, in the Mattachine Society, actually, the women belonged to it. 
also before they mm-hmm. broke into um, and the men helped the women pull together the doors of Elias. They were part of that. So there wasn't this this split that there is tends to be now. And now there's coming together a little bit more now, I think. But there was a big time that happened in the seventies where everything went Yeah. So I'm showing that why uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. I like to look at um, history and this should make sense when you can look at it from a distance. Uh-huh. Makes sense. And and so I'm trying to look at what was going on that made these things make sense. So do you have a background as a historian or is it simply is it coming out just through the writing? Uh, have you always had an interest in history? My father was a big at reading history. He read history all the time and it's funny, both my sister and I are have a love of history. She took it uh, she's doing, you know, Victorian and that kind of stuff. I like I I teach uh, psychology, but there's a course I teach that interests me a lot. I, I didn't develop it, I just got it. And it's about, it shows how societies and people change over time and that there's a process that goes, it's called minority social influence. Uh-huh. Like, uh, you know, it's going on, what's nice is you can see it happening right now in our country right now. The struggle with racism, for instance, that struggle is part of minority social influence. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's changing people, it's not just a fight. Yeah. It's changing people, it's, and it's going to change it in the right direction. It's just going to take time. Uh, so I like to watch that, and and you can see it. if you if you do history, especially modern history, that you can actually practically touch. You know, you I can remember from my, my mother, father, and that. Then you can see it actually happening, and how it's it's different now. But it's not everything's not different, and I don't know. You can watch history happening right in front of you. And I love that. I uh-huh. love that. I'm always interested in the challenges that authors face when writing about sexuality in other eras. Was that something that that you struggled with, or was that something that seemed to come naturally? It was a problem because of one of the things, clothes. There were so many many clothes. You know, uh, even when you talk about the 50s, they wore, uh, you know, girdles and and bullet bras and, and, (laughs) and... you know, just clothes, slips. They didn't wear pants. You know, they and that kind of stuff, just just the logistics of it is part of it. But also the way they talked about it and the, the language. I had to, I have a book on on uh, the history of sexual language. Uh-huh. I have weird books to refer to things like when and and figure out when they changed the na- the terminology. Yes, know, it, yes. It, you know, um, and how did that change and stuff? So that just the the language, the terminology. You know, sex is sex, I think, and people, you know, but but how does it work when, you know, in your different time period, so. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I mean, what I find researching history is that sex isn't just sex, that, that there are clear different attitudes towards even what is sex as opposed to things, things that are fun to do that aren't sex. Um, and, and that's, you know, really fascinating. Well, the whole thing about whether lesbian sex was sex, that's an interesting topic. Yeah. That became, that's one of the issues that uh, came up in the 70s, was a big fight yeah. in the 70s. That, uh, well, lesbian sex didn't count because it wasn't sex, because it didn't involve a penis. <laughs> um, well, that's a very and, old attitude. <laughs> right, right. And and don't have, they don't, I don't think they would have that in the 50s because nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. See, like nobody would be talking, but there is that, you know, like, um, oh, the girls are just doing things because they're getting ready for the real sex, really yeah. real thing. And practicing. In the 50s, they wouldn't care about 
it a little bit more because it was not a way to be. You know that they they did not they thought it was perverted and they had I mean, I have some books that were written in the fifties. Um, like one guy, a psychiatrist, who talked about that um, being a lesbian could lead uh, to um, uh, criminal behavior, mm-hmm. kleptomania. So I had a whole list of things. You know, that's in my. I use that in, in book in book three. I have it started in book two and goes into book three as this idea that um, it's going to do some terrible thing to you know. They use these case examples of, of things. You know, a woman who who's a lesbian and bashes her husband on the head and then goes and plays bridge. You know, and, and I, right now I find it funny. It's just like yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea that that once you have no morals, then anything that's is possible. It. You know. Right, that's it. And, and to be a lesbian was to be immoral, and then everything else was right, was possible. That's exactly what. And so uh, I try to portray that kind of attitude, you know, um, throughout the books, and that that's what makes it so hard. You don't want anybody to know uh, that you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. So where did the idea for these characters come from? Did the characters drive the story, or did you have an idea of, of wanting to do this this large historic arc? I had, didn't have a pl- I wanted to do a history. I don't ever remember having a, a plan to do a long... I didn't know what it was going to be. I, I Basically, my, the two main characters, Juliana and Al, kind of just appeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've just stuck with me, and I don't know. They've been kind of running the story. Uh huh. You know, I just that's I've been very lucky with this because I just sort of sit down and they kind of let me know where it's going to go. Uh huh. Doesn't happen with everything I write. <laughs> this, you know. So did you did you go to Paris to do research? Did you use that as an excuse to, for a trip? Actually, I did go to Paris. <laughs> The thing is, uh, it's very different than it was in the well, 50s. Well, of course, yes. So, yeah, so, yeah, so some of the places I knew, and I went, I visited some of the places that they go to, you know, some of the cafes and stuff. Um, but, of course, I had to still, I, was, I had pictures and, of stuff, and I had to uh, keep reading things that, uh, about places that, you know, that that they, they might have gone to that was, uh, you know, Particularly, the thing. One thing I learned about, like Paris, is um, during the fifties, it was not a haven for gays either. It wasn't any better than here. Well, it's a little, I mean, this much better. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There was. They had a couple of like they, uh, in the books. They go to a, a lesbian uh, nightclub, a, 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 a bar. It's not it's a club in a hall bar where they can dance uh-huh. and stuff. And they had them or in in the U.S. too, hidden away. And this is kind of hidden away. But they didn't have like the guys. The guys could be the guys were being arrested regularly. They didn't arrest the women because they didn't really take the women seriously. Uh-huh. Um, they arrested the guys, uh, and they sometimes raided. It wasn't illegal in France to be gay like it was here. But you, but for men, it was illegal for them to dance with another man. Which is very mm-hmm. And so they would sometimes raid the clubs and and um, and arrest the men. But they weren't. They were not. Um, okay about lesbians. There was lots of mean things said and lots of mean um, things in newspapers and, and telling people to watch out for those bad people. So it wasn't a nice place. It, it wasn't the 20s. It was the 50s. So yeah, it was a yeah. You know, and the 20s happened because with really upper class people living in a different kind of artsy environment. It wasn't for everybody. 
Yeah, there's yeah. always been a lot of, of class difference in how you experienced you know, sexuality. Right, right, yeah. So when I was trolling through your uh, your Amazon listings, I spotted a play that you've written that also has a historical context. Uh-huh. So for the audience, this is a play about the life of 17th century Italian abbess Benedetta Carlini, which is a name that I have mentioned time and again on the podcast. Why don't you refresh people's memories about why she would be a figure you might write about? Well, she's the first. She's the first lesbian we, we got written like a written record of. Um, she actually, you know, she was discovered by the, the what's the, Brown? What's her first name? Judith. Well, wrote, Judith Brown. Brown found yeah. her in a library in Italy, I think, and and found these records of, of this of this lesbian nun. Who, of, of this trial that she, she was on trial um, for doing lots of what they thought was bad things and um, so and it was the first time we had a record of a lesbian behavior you know so that's and I found well well there, there are earlier ones but I'll let you go with this one for now <laughs> no, so I, I'd love to hear about other records you have yeah well I, I think also uh, Brown was writing about her at a time when a lot of the other material hadn't been published yet so well, um, we know we know a lot more earlier examples she, now, but she was written, she read she hers was published in the eighties, so maybe yeah. more have come out. I would love to know what your sources. Oh well, well, stuff. follow my blog. <laughs> okay, have to, okay, I will because I love to write about that, and I really, really enjoyed writing this story. Um, <laughs> it, it got me into a different language, a sound of language. And, um, so, so what part of the story are you are you depicting in the play? I kind of I, it starts off when she's going to be examined. So that's the hap- the thing that's happening. You know, is that they're coming in to give her an exam to find out if she's a mystic or not. And uh, I use the same kind of characters that trust me in the book, but I kind of they're not necessarily exactly uh-huh. you know you know like there was the father Paolo. Paolo Ricordati is in there, and he was her uh, her father confessor. Uh, and then there was um, the um, kind of a mayor, religious something. Anyway, they come in to uh, examine her. Paolo Ricordati has a kind of crush on her. That's not part of the. <laughs> then, as they as they're doing this the trial and everything, the story gets to from different perspectives gets unfolded through the nuns that are there and what they saw and what they witnessed and what this one happened. So you kind of unfold the story that way. And yeah, so because it was it was initially because she was having mystic experiences and visions right. and stigmata and and Spelletino. Yeah, that she she thought she was being essentially possessed by an angel, and that right. and she would claim the that the the sexual activity she was having with women were really the angel doing it. Right, right, which... right, right. So that's all in there. It's like when he comes in, she immediately goes into these mystic kind of things, and it upsets him that one um, the provost, provost uh-huh. uh, is totally totally upset about her reaction. But through it all, then she. As um, the woman that Bennett, who's the other woman that she she has sex with? Um, oh, I, I'm not remembering at the moment, but yeah, yeah I don't. Have, yeah, so her no, companion. Have with me, but anyway, um, she tells the story and, and says, "Oh, but it was uh, this that she was being Jesus showed up, and you know all yeah. this kind of stuff." And then it's I leave 
explain it, tell it to the atheist, because I, I'm, the, the provost is starting to go, first he doesn't believe her, then he's starting to believe her, and then Splendidello shows up, and he's <laughs> like, oh my God. And then, then the whole thing, but then I, the sexual uh, thing is revealed last between the two mm-hmm. women, which blows the whole thing, you know, which, which then, you know, they, they condemn her. Uh-huh. You know, so I have to do it in certain, you know, so that it's Bill um, suspense and, uh-huh. you know, and she's the audience too as to what to think about her. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very hard to know what to think about her, whether she was having a breakdown because of the conflict over her sexuality or whether, you know, the whole thing is very entwined together, you know. But, yeah. Uh, so so has the, have you ever had the play staged? Oh, yeah. It, it won, it won, uh, it was a finalist in uh, the Lambda, Lambda Award. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was cool. It's published. Um, by original works, uh, it was uh, it was in the international um, New York City um, uh, festival. Yeah, I wish I'd been aware of it because somebody on somewhere on my social media was asking for lesbian themed plays to use for a, a school project, and and I wish I'd known about it to mention it. I have two of them. <laughs> oh, I have another one, also nuns, but this it's a modern one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have one is one act, and this one's a long, long one. This it's been also a station. Minnesota did it. I didn't know the company, but they took some gorgeous pictures. Uh-huh. Just, you know, I think it's on my website. Oh, and sure. and and I'll for I'll mention the the title of the play for for our listeners. It's Vile Affections, which is a phrase that comes out of the trial transcripts. Isn't oh, that correct? Yeah, it's also from the Bible, Romans, yeah. and and I use that the the priest when he finds out about uh, sex is screaming Vile Affections and does something uh-huh. like a Roman the, the, the citations from it. <laughs> So you mentioned you're working on the fourth Juliana book. Do you want to tell us a bit about that, or are you one of those authors who doesn't like to talk about current projects? <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to talk about now. It's just, uh, yes, I don't know that I can. I don't know that, you know, I, it's, I think it's it's coming along interesting. You know, a lot of a lot of things are... Do you have, do you have a title yet? Yes, actually, I do, which is unusual, but I do. I have a title for both two books, book four and five, I even know, I know I haven't started five, I know what the title is. Book four is, um, Heaven is to Your Left. Ah. No, that's, that's the, <laughs> that's the title of the play that Juliana's going to be doing in book four, and it's the title of the book, which has some meaning, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Are, are your, is your writing is mostly focusing on the Juliana series right now, or do you have other projects that you'd like to do? I'm focused mostly on Juliana, but I, 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 I want to do a couple spin-offs from the Juliana series. Like, for instance, in the first book, there's a character, um, Danny, who is Al's original um, boy, uh, boyfriend when he comes to New York City, and he realizes that he's gay during the uh, mm-hmm. thing. And I, I am fascinated by how many gay women and men date each other before they know who they are. Before they know they're gay, they end up dating each other. I don't know that happens to a lot of, I, lot, lot I, of people. I wonder if it's because there's the, people are picking up on the sense that they're not going to have things expected of them that they don't want to give. It's maybe I, you know uh, my first love, passion of my life was a gay boy. You know, and uh, and there was a part, kind of a knowing. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think I liked what I loved about him was he was feminine and uh-huh. so as close as I can get to a woman without being with a woman. Uh-huh. And I, you know, this, so anyway, but so I, I'm kind of interested in that idea anyway. And so anyway, he, 
he discovers that he's gay, but he's ashamed of it. You know, he's like very tormented about it. So he leaves, he joins the army, he's World War II, joins the army, and we don't see him again. I'm going to write his story in the army. Uh-huh. I think that'd be interesting for me, you know, yeah. and I'll have some interesting lesbians, you know, who are in the wax and stuff to uh-huh. deal with and stuff. So I'm going to, I want to do that. Then I'm very interested also, I've become very interested in LGBT life in the 30s and late 20s. And I have some characters that would have been alive at that time. Even uh-huh. Juliana, which she comes into the scene around 16 years old, which would be interesting to see her that young at some point. And so I'm thinking about writing that, that era at that time. Uh-huh. That interesting. Yeah. Um, so those are some spin-offs I want to do. And um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm really like into this history thing with uh, gay history. It's just very interesting. Well, I certainly think so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if people wanted to follow you online through social media, or if, do you have a website? Oh yeah, my website is www.vandawriter.com. Uh huh. And um, I'm also on Facebook.com/vandawriter. Uh huh. Author page. So I'll put links to all of your books and to your social media in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon.